Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 prison break and get you on the path you are always meant to be on. Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of the W-2 Prison Break Show. We got a great guest for you today. Uh, Before we dive into the episode, I just want to remind everyone that all of these episodes, all the episodes of the W2 Prison Break Show are on YouTube. So if you have not already, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll leave a link in the show notes and you can watch the videos uh, there, the full the full interview there if you prefer seeing our faces versus uh, just listening to our voices. Okay, today our guest is Mike McCready's and he began his real estate journey back in 2017 with a clear vision to build and scale a company that will help buyers and sellers in his community. We're going to be talking a lot about creative financing today. Mike has a sales background similar to me, uh, sales and finance. He was able to use those skills and that knowledge and his past experience and bring that to his real estate terms business, MTM Property Solutions. After just two years of learning the business and scaling it in his own market, Mike was able to leave his W-2 job, and he has been officially full-time since 2019. Over the last several years, Mike has helped families buy the home of their dreams and has helped countless sellers maximize the value in their properties. You'll hear that today talking about creative financing. Mike's next goal is to expand into other markets and continue to build on his vision of helping families on both sides of the transaction. He's happily married to his wife, Tiffany, and they have a young son named Michael. Mike, welcome to the show, my friend. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely excited to dive in with you. And, you know, I didn't do you much justice with that introduction. So why don't you, you know, give us kind of a background on, you know, you haven't been a real estate investor since birth. So, you know, tell us a little bit about what you're doing before you got here and ultimately, you know, what led you to pick this lane in real estate? Because I know you looked at a lot of different things. Sure. Well, first off, I have a sales background. So at a sales position with one of the largest growers out here in California. So I was in the produce industry selling the commodities that we grew. And I did that for a little over 10 years, which was a great business, got paid well and all, but it was just very demanding and the hours weren't great, never had any summers and things like that. So I was very limited for my personal life, you know, and deep down in my heart, I was always an entrepreneur, right? So I was always looking for the next vehicle that I can get into to, you know, kind of drive that inner spirit and take off with it. I mean, I was an entrepreneurship major in college as well. So I've always wanted to do it. Even when at a younger age, I just hadn't really found the niche that I wanted to get into. And I always had a curiosity for real estate because I've always read that generational wealth is made. It's a great vehicle for generational wealth, right? So 
over the years, I was just kind of little by little reading books about real estate investing and the numbers side of things to really understand how it all works. And came across a creative real estate program that I took part in and just kind of built a small portfolio enough to where I could jump and do this full time. And you did leave that job. How long did it take you? From when I started investing to, mm -hmm. it took about, I'm going to say it took a good two and a half years to jump from the from when I seriously got into it. And it wasn't a full two and a half years just because half of those years I was so busy at work. I couldn't really focus on doing new sales and new acquisitions. You know, it was just kind of, so it really was a year and a half of good dedication before I jumped ship. So it sounds like you, and that's a realistic time frame, in my sure. opinion. And for some people, it takes a lot longer. Some people, it did shorter, but I think two and a half, three years, I mean, that could go by like a blink of an eye. And I'm sure that's what it felt like for you when you mm -hmm. finally made that decision. I'm curious as to, you said you were working in the ag business for 10 years. You probably dreamed about doing entrepreneurship or your own business for that long or longer if you majored sure. it in college. What was it that ultimately got you over the edge, right? To go on your own or to at least to start. Yeah. I think you and I have something, in, I mean, have this in common here as to our why, right? When I found out my wife was pregnant, I think that's really when it set in deep down, like, okay, I really got to figure something out here because hours in the time that my job was taken away from my family wasn't going to be sustainable. I mean, I wasn't going to be around for you know, the early years of my son's life. And I wouldn't, you know, be able to see all that stuff and take part in it all. You know, it's just all that stuff is priceless. Once it's gone, it's gone. And so I knew I needed to figure something out. So once he was born, I was still working there, but I was really hustling, right? I was making calls on my way home from work at an hour commute. And I was doing all that and going and seeing homes, you know, late at night, just because that's the only time I could do it as far as viewings, right? Mm -hmm. Just seeing him at such an early age and just not wanting to miss out on things really drove me to make that decision. That'll do it every time. Yep. Very similar. And I love hearing that story. And you know, if you got a strong enough why, you're going to do the stuff that you just did. Most people are not willing to do that. So you got to get behind that. All right. So you mentioned creative financing. That's the lane that you chose for real estate. Tell us what that means. Explain it to me like I'm the third grader, if you will, and give us, yes. some, give us some insight. So what we do as a company is we buy and sell homes on terms. So what we'll do is we'll acquire a property on terms on contract. We won't charge any fees or commissions to the seller who would lock in their equity and then cash them out with their equity over a certain time period that we both agreed on. And then we would sell it the same way on the buyer side, right? We would mark up the price is where we would make our profit. We would lock in their price and then sell it to them and they would cash us out once they get their financing in place over a period of time. So it's a great way to acquire a property without the actual loan or mortgage to purchase the property, right? For all the capital, right? We're buying these homes with practically zero dollars, you know, that we're getting into. And then at the same time, if these properties are free and clear, we're able to do you know, owner financing. If it has mortgages, we're doing at least purchases, right? We're taking over the existing loans. And it's just a great way for both sides to benefit off of the property. You know, the buyer getting into a home and the seller selling the home at a market price with no commissions or fees. Yeah, no, 100%. Love it. Okay. So you mentioned two phrases that I'm going to ask you to explain a little bit further lease purchase, owner financing. So explain what a lease purchase is. And then if you have an example 
of maybe a seller that you helped that uh, you structured something on a lease purchase and you know what specific problem were you able to solve because I'm thinking to myself like why would anybody do what you just described yeah I mean I feel like every client that we deal with we're helping them in some way right but one that pops out in particular is one that's not too far from me geez it was 10 minutes from my house it was a secondary home that they had they had a renter in there the renter actually was supposed to purchase the home. So they were renting it and then eventually were going to buy it, but they had no structure in place for this. They weren't experiencing this as the owners of the property. And they just kind of went with it, with whichever way it took them. And it was hard for them to really reinforce any of the rules with the buyer there. And they ended up getting in a bad position with them and the buyer just left or the renter, tenant renter or buyer, excuse me, just took off on them. So here they are stuck with this big house. It's a you know thirty five hundred square foot home. The payment was you know close to three thousand dollars a month. They didn't have the extra money to cover those payments while it was vacant, and we helped them out. We took over the payments on the property for a certain period of time, and then we placed a tenant buyer in the property to purchase it. Did that seller try to sell the property conventionally after the renter left? Well, at the time they had equity, but they didn't want to lose all of that equity to the commissions that they were going to pay on it. So they had limited equity, let's just put it that way. So they wanted to, and they had time, they weren't you know, forced to sell it, but they just, they just don't want to lose whatever money they had in it. And we were there to help them save that and keep that in their pocket. Okay. So by doing something with you on a lease purchase, they would have maybe paid five or six percent to the realtor plus you know whatever buyer concessions maybe they would have had to pay. And yeah, they had a three thousand like, dollar payment, Brian. So just think about it. If it takes ninety days to sell the house, that's another ten thousand dollars they would have lost just in payments, on top of the commission and fees that they'd be paying. The house was in the five hundred range, so I mean you're looking at five six percent. That's another thirty plus closing cost one to two percent. You know you're getting up there, right? The equity's gone. So. With me taking over, we took over, we negotiated a, a term to market the property and then a definitive takeover date for the payments. And I felt comfortable enough because I knew the neighborhood. I grew up in the area that we were going to be able to get a buyer in there rather quickly. So we told them that, hey, cover the next payment. And then after that, we'll cover the rest. Okay, so so um, you solved the problem. Their problem was the payment. They didn't want to make the payment. And you yeah. came in and solved that problem. And then they mm-hmm. were able to move on and you were able to get the house under agreement. Right. And they saved on the commission as well. So not only did they save, you know, three, four months worth of payments, they saved on the five or 6% of commission as well. So all that was saved in their pockets. So I'm being facetious here. You know, a lot of people will, I hear, we hear it all the time. We're in the same business. Why would someone ever do that? Well, you just gave the listeners 40,000 reasons why a seller would do that. $40,000. Like, Hey, me too, probably. You know, again, if I was scared of facing that $3,000 payment, I love the way that you broke that down. I don't think most people think about the monthly payment. It's like, well, I got 50,000 in equity, but they don't think about the holding costs over a 90 or a three month or a six month period. Very good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what happened? Go ahead. Sorry. So then we found a buyer and this is a great story too. This couple actually was a family of five that they were renting at the time. Their credit was hurt from the past, right? They had medical bills and all kinds of other things that just hurt their credit in the past. And they just weren't able to qualify for a loan. They made enough money. They had great jobs. One was a psychiatrist. The other one was, I don't know, worked for the government, did something in the county there. 
So, but they were both well-educated and had great positions where they worked and they had good work history there too, right? They weren't just, they didn't just start working there. So there were good candidates. We're actually, they're more of what we look for, right? The candidates that have the room for growth, but just to have a past that has really held them back to push forward, right? And get past everything that they've done in years before. So they were great candidates for our program. They came in, their family got a beautiful home. Within about two years, a little over two years, they were able to get their financing in place. At the same time, the market did appreciate. So the price that we did lock in for them at the time, they even gained even more equity on top of that at the time that they were getting their financing done. So it was a great program for them because it gave them time to make future down payments with us, right? We scheduled out down payments throughout their term. Yeah. That way, by the time they were able to go to their lender, they had a substantial amount total to put down, which made them look even better on their application, right? Going through that process, application process and allowed them to get a better rate to a more competitive rate to lock in when they got their financing completed. So all around, just a big win on their side, moving in, not only moving to a home, but getting a great loan for the property and setting up their future for their family with the roof over their head, right? Yeah, absolutely. And well, I'm curious, what was the percentage of the down, what percentage down payment did they end up putting down to get that great loan? Yeah. So they start off putting down five, I think it was around five or 6% at the time of moving. And then by the end, they put down 20% over two and a half year period. So every 12 months we had an amount due and I let them choose the amounts. I told them we need to hit this percentage because it was going to be a jumbo loan in the area. Right. Yeah. So we needed to hit a certain amount that way they could, you know, for sure get a loan, right? 20%, you're going to get a conventional loan. Almost any lender is going to take you with that amount. Absolutely. So this is a great rent to own, which is essentially what you did. And the seller sounds like you tried to do it, but was unsuccessful. I'm going to ask you about your process a little bit and why you were able to get these buyers into a position to win. What was different about like their mindset? Like They just had this incident that happened to them, it sounded like, with the medical situation, but everything else was there. Like They wanted to be homeowners and they come across your property. I mean, what was that whole process like? If you could walk us through that. Yeah. So most buyers, right, or renters that are in this position, they just they feel overwhelmed with the position that they're in. So and they don't really have a clear path of what to do to get to the finish line. Right. And that's what we do, right? We help them see the plan that we put down for them. And we work with a third party company who does a full credit and background check for us, but they also give us a mortgage ready date. So they kind of calculate and estimate what it's going to take and the timeline it'll take. And that gives the buyer some type of idea of, okay, around this time, which in this case was about 24 months, a little over 24 months, if we pay this, this, and this off on my credit and fix that, the credit should build from there. My score should come up to a certain point where at that two-year mark, if we have our down payment in place or ready for the complete down payment in place, ready for the lender, we will be able to get our financing completed. You know, And by just putting all, laying all that out for them, like this is what's going to happen. This is the strict structure we're going to have to put in place for you to get to the end and to get to the finish line. It gives them just the confidence to go through it right, and to actually commit and go through our program. And without that, people feel lost. right? They'll drift off. They won't have 
somebody keeping him in line to stay on the right path to get to the finish line, they'll just, you know, veer off more than likely, right? We're human, right? You get comfortable and that's what happens, you know? Definitely. I think the big thing here to the lesson is that there's a plan. You put together a plan with, you know, your entire team and then the buyer, you selected the correct buyer. I'm sure you had a lot of interest in the home. You typically do. Mm-hmm. And they executed on the plan and they got the loan. How simple, talk about like the loan process. Was it, did you have to talk to the bank? How challenging was it or was it at all for them to get the loan once they got to the 20% and they had the two-year history? Yeah, we've built a pretty good relationship with a few different lenders and brokers in the area. So they know how we work. So mm-hmm. when we bring our clients typically don't go all the time. I mean, they don't every time go with the our lenders and who we recommend to go for, to, but more than likely they will just because they trust us to this point, right? And they know that, okay, it's going to be a lot easier because they know how we work. They know what type of program we're in and what type of transaction we're doing here. So it actually wasn't that bad, Brian. They followed our instructions and then whatever the lender wanted on their end, they were just had to provide it to them, which is more of you know, just a proof of income and things like that. They had a W-2 job, so it was pretty simple to do. It was just a matter of their credit and then just proving how much they were making combined for that year. So simple process, the way we have it down now, it took a little while to get all that set up, of course, over the years, but we have good relationships across the board to help our clients get to the finish line and succeed. Awesome. Love that. And there was no issue with the staggering of the down payments again from the bank. Cause that's, again, none of this is conventional. So again, did you have to educate you? I know you have lenders that you work with, but do you, have you had to educate lenders that maybe you don't work with? Yeah, there is a few rocket mortgage was one that we had to deal with recently, but they actually took it. I thought it was gonna be a little bit more difficult to explain it to them just because nationwide, you know, you're always dealing with different associates that work there, right? Representatives, I should say. And I was fortunate to get the same one for the entire time of that deal. So he understood and he went back and explained it to his underwriter and they got us exactly what they needed for it to go through. And we provided that to them. So we keep good record of all the down payments that we're taking in on both sides. So we tell our buyers to make sure that it's coming out of your personal account. They have to source where the money's coming from. So once you have proof of that, where it came from, you're going to have to show that at the time of financing. We also show it on our end that we received it from which account, which would be their personal account. It all jives, right? It all links up together and they're able to see the big picture. So yeah, it's non-conventional, right? Not the conventional way of doing a home purchase transaction, but we seem to figure out what they need now and how to get around certain obstacles. Right. Absolutely. Okay, great. So I have to ask you, what did it feel like when they got their loan from the buyer side and the seller? I mean, I'm sure there was happiness all around. So share that experience if you could. Yeah. So, I mean, we actually had this home under contract for 48 months and we ended up getting them cashed out in two and a half years. So you know, it was almost a little bit more than half of the term is all it took to get the seller their equity which they were ecstatic about. They thought they were going to have to go the whole 48. And so we made the sellers happy on their end, right? We under-promised and over-delivered on that side. And the buyers, I was super happy for them to get a loan from where they were. And the credit wasn't good at all. I mean, Brian, their credit was in the tank, probably the lowest I've seen out of the majority of our clients, but they, they had the income and they had the base to succeed out of this, right? And that's what we kind of look for. When we're looking at buyers, and I don't want to get too deep into this because we can go totally off on a different subject. But 
it's not necessarily who has the biggest down payment, right? For us, it's the big picture, right? We want a strong buyer fundamentally, you know, with their job all around, because those are the ones who are going to be able to succeed in the long run. And the banks, it's going to look better to the banks too. So the down isn't everything to us. That's a great point. And no, I have no problem with taking the conversation to different areas. It's important to discuss these items and you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, you could have someone could have a huge down payment, but you know, be on a job for six months. You know, during COVID, people in the restaurant industry that wasn't a very stable area because you just didn't know, you know, what was going to happen. So, right, great that you bring that up. I just want to emphasize the point that, and you mentioned it, the credit was just not there. It was probably the worst you'd seen. Mm-hmm. Like it's all fixable, right? They were probably in a position. I'm guessing here where they felt like they had no alternative. Like they were going to be renters for the foreseeable future. You know, years and years and years. And it's something that in a short amount of time, they were able to repair and get their dream house. You know, you yeah. gave them that opportunity. Yeah. If you put a plan in place for them and they see the end goal and by them putting the down payment at the time of moving kind of holds, they have skin in the game, right? So at that point, not only you know are we protected on our end with our investment, but the buyer feels like they have to commit to this journey, right? And to this deal that they're doing here because they could ultimately lose it in the end and they don't want to do that, right? So I think our program kind of in a way forces them to be committed. And I think it's a good thing, right? In the end, it works out for the better for everybody. So yeah, it's a great thing we're putting together here. 100%. You're changing people's lives here and that's a good thing. So you mentioned this is a great example for a lease purchase, someone who has a seller had equity, you help the buyer. What about you mentioned owner financing too. You talked about owner financing. So explain what that looks like. And then if you want to share an example on that, you know, feel free. Sure. Yeah. Owner financing is great. There's so many different ways we could structure an owner financing deal with the seller. Now, when it's owner financing, this means that the property is free and clear, right? So there's zero loans on the property. And what we'll do is we'll basically structure a payment, a monthly payment with them. We'll agree upon a price, structure a monthly payment. And then typically it's principal only payments. So we'll pay a premium on the property. We give them principal only payments. And then we cover the taxes and insurance as owners of the property because we will take title, right? The owner will then be acting as the bank. So they'll be in first position on the property. So all they're doing is just acting as the bank. It's secured by the property. It's a very safe transaction for them. Sometimes we'll pay interest on the loan that we take out from them and they'll make a little bit extra on the property that way. Just all depends on how long they're willing to go and what their actual need is on the property and what they want to make off of it. We can really structure anything just as long as it fits within our realm of pricing. Love it. You can get super creative there. So that's a little bit, it's a different pool of sellers because you know they got all this equity, especially where you live, where you know the homes are higher priced. What are some of the motivation examples or reasons as to why a seller has no debt in his house would take payments versus a lump sum? Well, I mean, first off, let's just say for instance now, supply is pretty low, right? So if somebody had, let's just say the house that I was dealing with that we are closing on now, it was in the 600 range, right? And it was in the hills it's on 10 acres. It was a difficult property to find a buyer for. It takes a real unique buyer to or it's a specialty niche, right? Yeah. For buyers in that area. So it was about 30, 40 minutes from the town. So, you know, there's all these little obstacles that the seller was dealing with and he couldn't really find buyer. 
So the reason why they would go with this is because, okay, let's just say the supply is low. He can't find somewhere to put that money. He can't do a 1031 exchange on it to another property just because you know, you have a time limit and days that you need to transfer that money and buy that other property. He could just act as the bank and make some money off of it, right? And we could pay a premium on it and he can make interest on it too. So over time, geez, if he were to do a loan for 20 or 30 years on this thing and do a term like that long, he can make double the property, right? Just like the bank does. I mean, these banks make money off of loans, right? They don't have branches everywhere for nothing. So just think of the seller just acting as a bank. It's, it's going to be profitable for him. I think in the end, he would be making this deal. Geez, he'd be making maybe a couple hundred thousand more on the property than he originally would have. A couple hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if I, it went the full term, right? I love that you brought up all those reasons. So, and I've obviously, I'm with you on this. I just don't think people think this way. And I just encourage anyone to, because you said there's bank branches everywhere, right? Just mm-hmm. if you've ever bought a house, you know, look at the truth and lending statement. Mm-hmm. Look at what you pay for the house. You know, on a $600,000 house, you're paying double over 30 years right. on three and a half percent interest. You know, that's the power of compound interest. So, you know, if you as the seller want to get the most for your money, act as the bank, you know, take the payments, even a small amount of interest compounded over 20 or 30 years is going to make you way, way, way more money. I mean, it's, it's not even close. Right. You have the property to back the money up, right? It's not like they're just putting the money into some type of you know business or something that's running where you have the risk of it failing. When you're protected with the property, I mean, unless they need the money right away to pay for something, I mean, it's pretty difficult to find a place to put that much money, right? And to get a good return on it. So if we're able to give them that return and have that security with the property, then it becomes a no-brainer, you know? So it's more of a sophisticated, again, it's, I mean, this seller had a real estate challenge. They couldn't sell the house, right? It was in a remote area, but then also- It was vacant. It was vacant as well. So they weren't living there. They were a few hours away from the property. So it was difficult for them to go up there and, you know, monitor and just keep an eye out on it. And, you know, it's just, it was becoming a hassle, you know? And you were able to find a buyer for the property yep. that they couldn't find. We found a buyer. We sold it on terms as well. You see, Brian, our buyer pool is a lot larger than your conventional buyer pool. You know, 80% of the population out there cannot get conventional financing, right? They can't just walk into a bank and get financing, you know? So if you just look at the numbers, I understand all 80% won't qualify for, you know, $600,000, $700,000 home, but our pool is still going to be probably double of what a conventional buyer's the market would be for this. So that kind of gives you an idea of the opportunity we have on the buyer side. Yeah. Yeah. No, great point. I mean, two out of 10 loan applications get approved. I mean, it's a very low percentage for the sellers. It's difficult to get a loan, right? right? Even if you have a great credit score, you still have to go through the ringer there. All right. So talk a little bit more about that particular property you're able to put the buyer in. I mean, what was their challenge? Their challenge was it was their down payment. They didn't have the full down for that size of a home. They want to get out of the city. They want to move into a rural area. This house was big enough for them and their family. A lot of the homes that were in that area that they were looking are a lot smaller square footage wise, right? Probably in the 13, 1400 square feet. This one it was 2300. So, you know, and it had four bedrooms. So, it was going to fit their family. They wanted the space, the acreage, right? They wanted the acreage to live on in a remote area. You know, it has its own well, it has all that stuff, right? So 
their main thing was they had the income, they had the cash flow, they just didn't have the full down payment for that property and they just needed time. That's all it was. Their credit actually wasn't bad. These buyers had good credit. They had good income. They just needed more time for the down. They were able to put down around that same range, around that 6% range to move in. And then I was going to try to get them up to 10% within the first year. And then from there, we're trying to get them up to 20, but it would be just icing on the cake. I think they'll be able to get approved with 10% on that property just right. because of the county that it's in. It's still not a jumbo loan. So it, it'll works out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's safe to say, Mike, that most people aren't walking in with 10 or 20%, even yeah. you know qualified buyers right from the get-go. So right. you're going to get, there's a lot. And that's the thing too with sellers. I think that they don't really look at is Sure, you can get a conventional sale at your price, but what if it's a low down payment loan? I mean, are they going to close? Right. Are they going to close on the property and they can tie your house up for 60 days and you're still paying the $3,000 mortgage? I mean, it's there's all these things to consider. And again, our buyers, in some cases, some of the buyers that we work with are stronger than conventional buyers. In terms of income and funds, they just need either seasoning or credit and repair. Yeah. And there was two income earners in the family, right? So one of them was self-employed and he needed some more seasoning as well. So that was a great point you brought up that I didn't mention. You know, The bank's going to want at least two years of proof of income for the self-employed and he needed more time. So he was making enough cash flow. His business was bringing good money in and he just wanted more time for the taxes to prove his income. And that's all it was. It's amazing that self-employed get treated the way that we do by banks, you know, when we're typically more qualified. And I say we, I'm talking about all business owners, we're typically more qualified financially than some W-2 employees that they'll write loans on. It's just strange how that right. works out, don't you think? Yeah, the W-2 employee could lose his job that very next day, right? I mean, it doesn't mean he's any more secure than what a self-employed person would be, right? So yeah, it's confusing the way they <laughs> worked it out, right? Completely. I don't I don't me. I don't make the rules. We just again, we're not the banks, so we don't have branches everywhere. But so I think every the audience, it's clear that you're in California. So what areas are you working in? Are you looking to expand? Like give us some input on that. Yeah, I started where I'm here in Fresno, so I'm in central California. My immediate area that I work is really within a two mile or excuse me, two hour radius north and south. So I'll go down to Bakersfield area, then up north to the Modesto area. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's just, you know, two hours north and south. And we're starting to dip our toes into the Los Angeles area, which would be about a three and a half hours from where I'm at. But really we could do these transactions anywhere. You know, I have a property actually out by the coast, which is, you know, it's almost three hours, you know, so we do them all over, right? We're willing to help sellers and buyers all over wherever the house is, as long as the numbers make sense for us and everybody involved. Yeah. And I think it's just good to point out that one of the reasons you can go further with your properties is that you're not a landlord. Right. So you don't have to go out and fix stuff. The buyers handle that because they're acting as the homeowners and they take ownership of the property. That is correct. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. I was going to ask you about the market. I mean, we talk about this all the time. You're in California. Yeah. It's like, how in the heck is this guy buying houses on owner financing or lease option? So we all know that it's you know bananas out there, but just give me your take on the market and why you're still able to find sellers that you can help. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that the supply is a lot lower than it has been in the past, but in any market, there's always going to be 
either an expired listing, someone who's having difficulties selling their home because of one situation or another, right? Whatever their motivation may be, there's always one out there or a few out there, right? That need extra help, right? It's just not moving. 100% 100% of the homes aren't going to sell every month. You know, you pull a, an MLS expired list and there's always ex- expired homes on there. There's reasons why they didn't sell, you know, and our job is to dig deep and find out why they didn't sell and see if we can help any of those individuals and families. And and that's what our job is, right? We want to help the seller complete the sale of their home, keep as much money in their pocket as they possibly could. And then for us to help on the other side of the transaction, a buyer to get into a home that they never thought they would have been able to get into. Excellent. And you gave two great examples of, of motivation that you know really no market's going to solve that. I mean, the rule, no matter how hot the market is, that seller with the rural property wasn't probably going to find someone, you know, or it might right. have taken a little bit longer. So it's great to know. Look, we're not lost in this. Most people are going to are going to go the conventional route, but you need to know what the alternatives are. You need to know what the options are. And Mike is a great option. Where can they go to find you and talk to you about either selling that their house to you or getting into your rent own program? Yeah, you can go to our website and reach out to us there, mtmpropertysolutions.com. You can send us a message on there. We'll get back to you rather quickly. Go straight to my phone, my email. You can see our inventory on there. And then you can also watch videos that we have that explain our programs on both the seller and the buyer side on how things work and what it'll take for you to be a part of it. So mtmpropertysolutions.com. So we'll be sure to put that link in the show notes. Mike, this is great stuff. I appreciate you educating us today. Before we wrap up, was there anything else that you wanted? Any final thoughts you had or anything I forgot to ask you that you wanted to share? I think we covered everything. I mean, just want everyone just to think outside the box for once, right? You know, that's what I did going into this. I thought there was only one way to invest in real estate, right? And that's just to have the cash to put down to get a loan to buy it. I found out there's other ways to do that, studied it and mastering that currently and do the same on your end, right? With whatever you're doing. It might not be real estate, it might be your own craft, but think outside the box of whatever you're doing. There's more ways to skin a cat, right? More than one way. (laughs) You got that right. No, that's great advice. Great way to end the show. Mike, thanks for spending some time with us today. And yeah, everyone make it a great day. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Don't forget, you can watch all full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W-2 prison break. Here's to you busting out.